The Dallas Stars season may officially be over, but that doesn't mean we can't continue to talk about it. Today, we will reflect on the best and worst parts about the 2021-2022 season. And then to end the show, we will talk about which team we should consider bandwagoning, or at least the teams I will consider bandwagoning for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. All coming up on a Tuesday episode of Locked on Stars. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked On Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, credentialed member of the Dallas Stars media, coming to you on this Tuesday, May 17th. Hope you are all having a fantastic day and trying to stay cool out there. I know it's hot, hot, hot here in Texas, and I hope that you are staying hydrated, staying cool, doing well. And thank you for stopping by today's episode of Locked on the Stars for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, our show is free and available no matter where you listen or how you listen to your podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find our show on social media. I'm on Twitter at Dane double underscore Lewis, and our show is on Twitter at Locked on Stars. But without any further hesitation, let's get right down to business. Uh, kicking off the first episode of our off-season content remember we will be continuing to crank out shows throughout the summer throughout the off season leading all the way up to training camp and so you won't want to miss a beat we will still be producing shows but today we're going to kind of take a an overview type look at the season that was for the 21 22 Dallas Stars of course we're going to talk about what went right for this team and the things that I would consider to be a success and or strong points of the season for the team and Right away, I mean, you have to talk about the top line, uh, Joe Pavelski, Rope Hintz, and Jason Robertson. This was a line that was formed by the coaching staff and Rick Bonus back in the 2021 season, um, kind of in the last month of the year. I mean, this that was a season where the Stars were riddled with injuries and uh, everyone just dealing with injuries and COVID and the insane gauntlet of a schedule that everyone had to deal with. And so Rick Bonus just trying to scramble things up, mix things up, and he struck gold whenever he put... Uh, Robo, the at the time called their candidate, called their finalist on the same line as the sappy veteran Joe Pavelski and the up and coming uh, stud in Rope Hints. And uh, the the Stars front office and coaching staff has not really looked back since. Um, and those guys were at the forefront of the Dallas Stars attack this season. I mean, every guy on that line had a career year. You look at Joe Pavelski, who is 37 years old, been in this league for a long, long time, and he put up his best numbers as as a professional he had 81 points in total 27 goals 54 assists you look at rope hints uh, who's still only a few years into his career but he had 72 points 37 goals 35 assists and then of course jason robertson the leading goal scorer for the dallas stars with 41 he also tallied 38 helpers and a total of 79 points so almost tied and could have easily surpassed uh, Joe Pavelski had Robo been able to play a few more games. He did miss some time this season, and that makes his numbers all the more impressive, if you ask me. And these guys 
just found such incredible chemistry with one another. I think that they easily had the best chemistry of any line on the team part of that's also because none of the other three lines really were ever set in stone as one cohesive unit that played together really from the start of the season until the end. Uh, everyone else kind of got shuffled around on a game-to-game -game basis, but I think even if you look across the league, I mean, very few other lines, I think, had the same chemistry uh, and as effective and great of a chemistry as the Dallas Stars had with their top guys uh, in Pavs, Hints, and Robo. And, you know, even if they weren't scoring goals, they got fantastic looks on a consistent basis, and they were just an absolute nightmare to have to prepare for, to have to cover on the defensive end, and to have to defend in general i mean they were really good at forechecking they were really good at getting into the zone just with the mix of speed and the the iq to know where to position yourself uh it was just a, a core of guys that anytime they were on the ice they had an opportunity and a chance to score just because of the skill um that was present and you throw in if they were out there with um a guy like miro haskinen or or esselandell john klingberg that can kind of move the puck around pretty well i mean the, that was a dangerous trio to be reckoned with um, and probably a trio that was heavily monitored by every single coaching staff of every team the Stars played this season. And, you know, you look at these guys piece by piece. I mean, Joe Pavelski, uh, you know, not the speediest guy, especially at his age now, but he had the vision and the veteran expertise um, to kind of be the leader of this line. I mean, he was the guy all season that we talked about, the first guy in at practice, the last guy to leave the ice at practice, working in front of the net on redirects, on tip-in shots. And he was just an incredibly smart passer. He knew where his guys were going to be at all times. And if there was a really good opportunity to slide in a nice feed to Rope Hintz or Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski wasn't going to pass that opportunity up. He knew when to shoot and when to pass and had so many good scoring chances. And it's a shame that he probably didn't get as many goals as he probably should have um, just because he was a really good goal scorer, but also a great facilitator and very unselfish with the puck. Um, and I think that's a huge reason why Rope Hintz was three goals away from being a 40-goal scorer and why Jason Robertson was a 41-goal scorer. And then, of course, Rope Hintz, speaking of, he was the fastest guy on this line and debatably the fastest guy on the team, uh, maybe outside of a Denis Gurionov or Miro Haskinen. But his speed was just unlike anything we've ever seen uh, really you know, in a while for the Stars team when it comes to a top-line forward i mean he the way he could enter the zone even with three or four defenders in the area was just unmatched i mean if you go back to i believe it was the second time the stars and oilers played um around mid-march they played at home and the stars it was a back and forth game the stars found themselves down and rope hence had a really sweet goal where he just kind of broke through the edmonton defensive zone and kind of caught them on the back of their heels and his speed was just too much for them to handle and he did that so many times on a consistent basis throughout the year and then of course you have jason robertson the the true future young star of this team in my eyes who just had a really sick wicked shot and of course uh, an incredible hockey iq given how young he is and of course you you have to talk about the clutch gene when you mentioned jason robertson so many different times he was getting the game-winning goal or the winner in overtime. We all remember uh, that shift that he had against the Winnipeg Jets where he was on the ice for nearly two minutes and he takes the puck to the net and then just collapses on the boards after scoring the game-winning goal on Connor Hellebuck. And he just did that so many times, so many huge clutch goals to either give the Stars the lead or tie the game and force overtime or put the nail in the coffin for the Stars to help them seal a big win. He just has 
the willpower and the determination to be a great hockey player. And I think that his rookie season, he was great. He was even greater in his second year. And I think he will continue to get better as time goes on, especially as long as he's playing with guys like Joe and Rope. And then, you know, that's a huge part of what the Stars did well this season, their top line. But of course, you have to look at some of the offseason acquisitions that joined this team for the first time this year. I think the Stars struck gold on just about every guy they added to the roster. Uh, Braden Holtzby, maybe a guy that's been forgotten in recent Stars memory just because of his time on the LTIR. But Braden Holtzby, uh, whenever he was kind of the guy here in Dallas, he did his job pretty well. He had some shaky performances and certainly... You know, we were reminded a few times that he is not the goalie that he once was in Washington, although he is a Stanley Cup champion, a Vesna Trophy winner. He still was a very serviceable goalie who had some outstanding performances. The one that comes to mind for me is that game in late November after Thanksgiving against the Carolina Hurricanes, where he was just on his head for the majority of that game, making some ridiculous saves. Uh, and just so many other moments like that where he came up big for the Stars. And unfortunate that his season had to end the way it did. Hopefully he's able to get back healthy and maybe get to play a few more years in the NHL, whether that's in Dallas or not, is to be determined. Uh, but Braden Holtzby, a pretty nice offseason acquisition for this Dallas team. And then another guy who I think, call it recency bias if you will, but I think this guy had a good regular season as well. Um, but maybe the moment just wasn't as big. And of course, Yanni Hockenpah, the defenseman acquired in the offseason from Carolina. Um, I think had a really nice season, all things considered. I think he came in kind of as a raw talent-esque prospect, but has kind of found his footing and kind of knows his game. Of He's not going to be a high goal scorer or a big point getter, but he's a guy that you can put out there to just be a big body who can check a few guys on the boards. But then when he does need to shoot, he can really put some heat behind that slap shot. We saw a few goals going from him from the blue line that, I mean, if you blink, you missed it off the stick and in the back of the net just because he shoots with so much ferocity with the size that he has. Of course, I'd be remiss to not mention Luke Glendening or Michael Raffle. Both those guys were fantastic in their roles. Luke Glendening was the best guy in the faceoff circle for the Stars this past season um, and, of course, was a great checker, a really physical presence that could get the job done in the goal-scoring department as well, as could Michael Raffle, who was also a great penalty killer, a great passer, and a guy that just knew where to be on the ice every time he was out there. One of the smartest players on the team and Michael Raffle. And then Ryan Suter, Eh, Ryan Suter did okay. Uh, he definitely had his moments where his age was showing, um, and I, I still don't think anyone is comfortable with how much money he's being paid and for how long he's being paid that amount of money, but I, he wasn't a complete disaster. There were definitely some really bad moments, um, and I think there, there was a lot of criticism thrown his way, I know, by myself as well, but he, he did fine. He, he led the team in uh, goals, which for better or for worse. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, of course, the the last good thing you have to mention, and this might sound weird, but it's the power play. The power play, if you remember, in the first half of the season was spectacular for the Dallas Stars. I mean, it seems like every time that they were on the power play, there was a really great chance they were going to score, and it was seemed like they were just due for a special teams power play goal at least once a game, if not multiple times a game. They were lights out. They were fantastic. Uh, and it was just so exciting to see that unit and even the second unit go to work every time the Stars were on the man advantage. And then I got to give a shout out to the, the PK in the back half of the season as well. Really, ever since the All-Star break, the Stars PK really stepped up and, and especially in the playoffs, did their job exceptionally well and minimized the damage that Calgary could have done on the power play with a lot of excellence and a lot of grit and determination. And I was really pleased with what I saw from 
the Stars penalty kill. And I think a lot of that has to be credited to guys like Raffle, Glenn Denning, Hockenpah, uh, and even you know some forwards like Roddick Fox and Vladimir Mestikov, I think was a really nice trade deadline acquisition. But after a quick break, we're going to take a quick pause here. And after we get back, we will talk about the negatives of the season and talk about where things went wrong for the Stars team. Today's episode of Locked on Stars is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built Bar. I just received my birthday cake puff Built Bars in the mail. And guys, let me tell you, they are absolutely fantastic, delicious. I eat them when I'm up late at night editing videos or editing podcasts. They can really help give you that extra boost of energy that you need to get through your day or get through a project. And they taste delicious and they are good for you with 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and only 9 grams of sugar. This limited time flavor is an amazing option if you are looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. All Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That means that with Built Bars, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. You can go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, you can get 15% off your order by using the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. And we're moving right along on this Tuesday episode of Locked on Stars. This is your host, Dane Lewis, here at Dane Double underscore Lewis on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our show at Locked on Stars as well. Thank you again for stopping by the show and for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, be sure after this to go check out the Locked on Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast at. Let's continue to talk about this past season for the Stars, though. We spent the last segment talking about all of the good for the Stars team, the great, what went right for this team, and what got them in the position that they were, which was in overtime of Game 7 of a first-round Stanley Cup playoff series. Um, and it was fun to talk about the good things because those good things were really exciting to watch. It was fun to watch that top line. It was fun to watch these new off-season acquisitions come in and make a difference from the start of the season. Um, but of course, we all know that the Stars, as fun as this team was at times, was not without their flaws. And so it all starts with, in my eyes, the secondary scoring. I mean, we talk about the top line and how phenomenal they were this past season. But then you look at the rest of the offense and we're just kind of left scratching our heads asking what went wrong or what could have been if some of these guys played up to their potential. And maybe the expectations were just too high uh, for some of these players. I think at times we can as sports fans can see names and say, oh, this is a big name of someone who used to be really good or did this in the past, won this trophy, set this record, or had X amount of points. And so we just associate that name uh, with someone that's always going to be good forever. And that's just not always the case. I mean, you look at Tyler Sagan, who had a rough start to the year. He eventually did come around uh, and kind of looked like a former version of his older self. Um, but still, I think the the injuries and the surgeries he's had at this point in his career starting to nag at him a little bit. And I think we're finally at a point where we can where we can say, as sad as it is, that just Tyler Sagan isn't the guy that he used to be. I think he's still a good player that can still make plays in big moments, uh, but he might not be able to do it as often as he once could. 
Um, and thankfully, that's why we have younger guys like Jason Robertson, Rope Hintz, Jacob Peterson in the organization to kind of fill that role as the young gun that can go out um, that doesn't have as much wear and tear on their body just yet like Tyler has. Um, but again, I think Tyler had a nice season, all things considered. I think he bounced back really well after the All-Star break. But you look at guys like Jamie Benn and Alexander Radulov, and you just can't help but be disappointed by the offensive output from those guys this season, especially Rads, who it feels like you know just yesterday was playing lights out in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2020 and 2019. Uh, he's just taken such a huge fall off, and I'm, I'm afraid he probably will not be coming back to this team next season. I feel like we very well could have seen the last of Alexander Radulov in a Stars uniform this season, as sad as it is to say. And, you know, we even, I mentioned some of the young guys like Jacob Peterson, him, Dennis Gurionov, and even guys like Glenn Denning and Michael Roffel. I think they could have stepped up and done a little bit more offensively. Jacob Peterson had a good season being a rookie, and I think he led all NHL rookies in game-winning goals, showed flashes of potential, um, but just there were a lot of moments where we needed him or someone else to step up if the if the top line was lacking or if there was an injury or a you know a scratch on that top line where one of the guys was not ready to go. So hopefully, if any of those guys do stay long term, and if Vlad Nemestikov can stay long term, hopefully guys like that can provide a little bit of spark. Um, I think Nemestikov especially could be a really nice piece for the Stars team going forward if they can get him for a relatively inexpensive price. I really like what he brings to the table because he can play just about any area of the game. He can play both sides of special teams. He can play five on five. He's a great defensive forward, but he can also get the job done uh, with scoring. And so I think he's kind of like a Swiss Army Knight-esque player. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the Stars do with him in the offseason. And we talked about uh, the defenseman a little bit ago, we talked about Ryan Suter um, being one of the offseason acquisitions for the Stars team. And, and speaking of Suter, the defensemen in general, I think, were very disappointing this season on the offensive front. I mentioned earlier that Ryan Suter led the defensemen on the Stars in goals this season with only seven. In my eyes, that is absolutely unacceptable when you have players like Miro Haskinen and John Klingberg on your roster. I would absolutely love to see Miro Haskinen go to work in the offseason and take his offensive game to the next level. I think that that's something that he still can improve and work on, and we've seen him be a really great offensive player. I think he showed some really nice flashes of offense in the bubble in 2020, and we obviously know that he's one of the best skaters on the team. He's the best defender on the team with his stick and just the way that he can close out lanes for the opposition. But I think if he can take his offensive game to the next level, that's truly what will take him to the conversation of Makar, Yossi, Fox, as far as best defenseman in the NHL. And I, I think the Stars fans know how good Miro Haskinen is and how good he can be. He just needs to find that area of his game and hit his stride offensively. Of course, he did have that stint with mononucleosis, and you can't peg that on him. That's something that he can't control. And I know, especially in the back half of the year, that probably threw off a lot of his rhythm and a lot of his game. But hopefully we'll get a full healthy season of Miro Haskinen in 2022-2023, and we'll be able to see him put up a lot more points and goals on the offensive side of the ice. And then, of course, John Klingberg, I mentioned, may have just fallen victim to a lot of distractions this season. I think he had a nice turnaround in the back half of the year, but leading up to the trade deadline, I mean, his name just everywhere in circulation of rumors and you know all these talks of him not wanting to come back to Dallas in the offseason and basically demanding a trade, but... Still don't really know how true all of that is, and we'll have to watch what happens to him this offseason. And then the last negative, and this is something that was also on the positive side, but if you've watched this team all season, you'll completely understand. 
that's of course the power play the power play in the back half of the season was abysmal and it was terrible to watch there was we i kept saying all season long after the all-star break oh the the power play is just in a slump it'll come back around and then the stars would have one or two games where they would actually have a pretty nice performance on the man advantage and i'd say okay i think the power play is finally back but it would never fully come back and we said okay we're going into the playoffs they're kind of hitting the reset button it'll come back in the playoffs and it never came back in the playoffs so the power play a negative but also a positive this season um, but of course, I wish if it was going to be that way, that it would have been a flipped reversed role. I wish the power play would have been god awful to start the year. And I wish it would have been, you know, excellent to close out the year because I think the stars that we wouldn't be doing, you know, offseason content episodes right now if the stars were better on the power play. I think they would be moving on to play the Edmonton Oilers in round two. But that's just going to have to be a what if type scenario and a what if question. Uh, that we'll be asking ourselves throughout the offseason. How far could the Stars have gone if they were able to be consistent on the power play all season long? But after another quick break, we are going to talk about the teams left in the Stanley Cup playoffs and who I'm thinking about bandwagoning and curious to hear you guys' thoughts as well. All coming up after another quick break. Today's episode of Locked on Stars is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. And we're closing out today's episode of Locked on Stars, your first listen of the day. We're closing out talking about the teams left in the hunt for the Stanley Cup trophy and teams that we could potentially bandwagon and i know i've kind of come to a conclusion but i want to take this by a team by team basis kind of a quick bullet point should i bandwagon this team should i be cheering for this team in the playoffs and we'll start in the western conference and start with the team that knocked the dallas stars out the calgary flames and you know there's that whole i guess stereotype or you know the cliche of oh well you know once you get knocked out of a tournament or knocked out of a playoff you know bracket you should want the team that beats you to go all the way because you know then that means they're the best team and there's no shame in losing to the best team and while i want to believe that uh i think at least in my mind there's too much animosity built up around this flames team right now to support them the rest of the way if they make it all the way to the stanley cup finals and i've had a little bit of time to calm down in my mind and let the animosity wear off maybe just maybe it would depend on who they would play if they do make it that far but the flames got to be a no for me as well as the guys they will be playing in round two in the Edmonton Oilers. I do hope the Battle of Alberta goes to seven games. I hope we get a fun, fantastic series with a lot of energy, a lot of physicality, and a lot of really good goal scoring. But I think the Oilers would just be too easy of a bandwagon with their roster. Uh, you know, if you start bandwagoning this team, oh, you're just bandwagoning them because they have McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, you know, I just don't want to fall into that trap and kind of want to pick a, a different route. Um, and also, I just don't want to cheer for a team that has Evander Kane on it. Um, so I feel like that doesn't need an explanation there. So the Oilers, it's a no for me, as are the St. Louis Blues. And I feel like I don't need to explain myself on that one. 2019, that's all I'll say. Never will I ever cheer for the St. Louis Blues. Not happening. 
Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and this is an interesting team because I know they are a division rival of the Stars, but I know for me personally, the animosity just isn't quite there as strong as it is for a team like St. Louis or even a team like Nashville um, or even you know a team like Calgary. I mean, they are a division rival, and you know it's always fun to beat the Colorado Avalanche, but there are teams that I could say, oh, I strongly dislike this team or I have a lot of animosity towards this team, but I feel like I don't have that against the Avs. Uh, maybe as much as I should, and maybe as much as other Stars fans do. So if I had to pick a team out of the Western Conference, it would probably be Colorado. Um, and honestly, I mean, it just makes sense for them to win the Cup at this point now. They just have so much talent. If they don't win or if they don't even make it to the Cup Final, I mean, it's going to be insane. And hockey Twitter is going to lose its marbles. I mean, McCarr, Kadri, Landeskog, McKinnon, uh, Rantanen. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. The guys they got at the trade deadline... To way too much talent on this team. I know goaltending's a little bit shaky, um, but they got past Nashville pretty fine, and I think that they can handle the St. Louis Blues in probably five or six games as well. But moving on to the Eastern Conference, so we'll put a pin in Colorado for now, but the Panthers in the Eastern Conference, not cheering for them because I think it's a little bit too risky. I think that they were just kind of barely getting by in that first-round series against the Capitals. They really had some shaky moments in a series that I think should have been fairly similar to the Avs Predator series, maybe not a sweep, uh, but I really didn't think that this Capitals team stood much of a chance in this postseason. Props to them for you know taking it to six games, but man, the Panthers just kind of looked a little bit shaky, and I feel like they're a pretty risky team to bandwagon and kind of invest in because I feel like they're a team that could easily let you down if you put too much hope into them. Tampa Bay Lightning, the team playing the Florida Panthers in round two, another obvious no and again as a dallas stars podcast host i feel like i don't need to explain that one either the carolina hurricanes this is a really intriguing team because i like them as a team i think they have some fun pieces i know that they have a very committed fan base they play in one of the smaller buildings in the nhl but you know the fans are just right on top of you the storm surge is kind of cool um and obviously a lot of passion around that organization but i think they're also a pretty risky team i think that that first round series against the bruins kind of started to slip away from them a little bit. They obviously did come back to win it in seven. Um, but after dominating the first two games of that series, I really thought it was a done deal that they would probably not get the sweep, but at least win in five. Uh, but I think they let Boston hang around a little bit too long. And that's not to say Boston is not a good team. I just think that Carolina probably should have taken care of business a little bit sooner. Um, but still, a team with a lot of potential. But the team I think I'm going to bandwagon the rest of the way is the New York Rangers. One, initially, and this is such a dumb reason, you can flame me for this if you want, but it makes me think of the Texas Rangers, the baseball team I cheer for in the MLB. Same team name, same color scheme. Uh, and I like their fight to overcome the first-round matchup against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lots of people, including myself, were really low on this Penguins team going into the postseason because of how they finished out the regular season. But we forgot how talented and gifted they really are. And the Penguins took the Rangers to the fringe, took them to overtime in Game 7. But the Rangers were able to overcome all of that adversity and move on to round two. I like a lot of the pieces on their team. I think that they kind of have this weird like once in a blue moon opportunity where I don't know if they'll have the same roster next year or the same type of potential to reach the cup final. Like Chris Kreider, Sabanajad, Igor Shosturkin, 
the likely Vesna Trophy winner, Adam Fox, obviously. So many good pieces on this Rangers team. So I'm probably going to be cheering for them the rest of the way. Uh, we'll have to, of course, reevaluate once we get to the conference finals part of the playoffs and see which teams are still standing. But let me know in the comments, if you made it to this point in the video, who you are cheering for for the rest of the way in these 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Stars. Thank you again for making Locked on Stars your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen of the day, the Locked on NHL podcast. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast at. Be sure to find me and follow me on Twitter at Dane double underscore Lewis, as well as our show at Locked on Stars. Be sure to tune in tomorrow as we continue to bring you more offseason content. We're going to start evaluating some players on the Dallas Stars roster and talk about the season that they had and talk about their future with the team or maybe their future away from the team, depending on their contract status and depending on whether or not they might be moved in the offseason. Going to be a fun stretch of episodes talking about some of the guys on the Stars roster. But we'll see you there, Stars fans. Have a great Tuesday.